Good morning once again. Welcome to church. And we also want to welcome our sister back who is in the Philippines for several weeks, I believe. Uh, May Watson is back with us. Welcome back, May. She came back bearing gifts. Thank you for all the gifts for my kids. You got them hairbands and the little Filipino delicacy that... Oh, it's so good. We have some in our glove box. And also want to welcome our brother and sister from our San Francisco church in the U.S. Todd and Veronica are here along with his parents. So welcome. That's awesome. That that's, represents both sides of the U.S. Uh, they're from the West Coast and his parents are from Maryland, which is where? It's right above Virginia. <laughs> and what, Just in case you didn't know. So awesome. Acts chapter 6 this morning, we're, we're studying the book of Acts as a church, learning how the early church was inspired and moved and generated by the Holy Spirit, and the call is for us to follow suit, to really allow the Holy Spirit to animate us and call us to action, just like the early church. And, and so the first few chapters really highlight the, the honeymoon phase of the church, and then problems start to happen, persecution starts to happen, needs start to arise, and we see how the church responds to all of that. There's a parable in Mark chapter 4 that, that, that Jesus uses that, that kind of illustrates what happens in, in this passage, but also just generally. And the, the parable is about God's word. It's, it's the parable of the sower. And at the end of that, Jesus says that night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. And, and so the idea there is that there's, there's no real assistance required for the Word of God to work. It does what it does 24 hours a day, seven days a week, without any special assistance. It's always doing something, whether we know it or not, independent of us. And the question for us is really, are we going to align ourselves with the Word of God? Are we going to allow ourselves to to produce that type of change? And so whatever comes our way, the Word is always trying to do something. Now, problems and needs and persecution may arise, and those aren't to be minimized, or those aren't to be trivialized. But it it is important for us to recognize the Bible, God's Word, is always designed to produce something. Despite whatever circumstances are going on. And so this morning we'll look at this. Let's pray and read together the entire Acts chapter 6. Not the entire book of Acts, in case you got nervous there, but the entire chapter of Acts 6. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to come together and and take communion. uh, That miracle, and especially the miracle of, of the resurrection, which allows us this life. And we pray that as we read your words, Father, that the Spirit really illuminates our minds and hearts. And, and not just for us to think about these things, but for us to put them into action in our everyday lives and, and together as a church. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Acts chapter 6. In those days, in, in what days? Well, chapter 5 verse 42 says that they're, they're continuing to teach the, the, the word from house to house and they never stop preaching about Jesus. So it's in those days, in verse 1 of chapter 6, when the number of disciples was increasing. The Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. 
So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. Now, that is a miracle sentence, okay? When is it ever that you put a proposal before an entire group and everybody's, man, that's awesome. You know, and this, remember the church is 5,000 plus at this time. So this is miraculous. This pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. And that's, that's a, a fulfillment of what Jesus says. When, when you enter into the synagogues and people persecute you and they question you, I'll give you the Spirit at that moment and they won't be able to say anything. And that's what's happening here. And in verse 11, then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified. This fellow never stops talking, speaking against this holy place and against the law. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. What a powerful passage. And then it goes on, and he gives his speech, and at the end of the speech, because it's powerful, it raises such persecution that they stone Stephen. Now, the whole context here of, of what's going on is... is is referenced in, in verse 7 of chapter 6. The word of God is spreading. And what, what Luke does as an author is six times throughout the book of Acts, he, he summarizes basically what's going on. And each summary consists of about five years. So this is at the end of about five years, probably after Pentecost. And in verse 7, he just says, So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Chapter 13, verse 24, he uses that same phrase, The word of the Lord continued to spread. Another summary of about five years. Chapter 19, the same thing. Same phrase, actually. And the word of God continued to spread. Same summary covering about five years. And what he's saying is that no matter what happens, no matter what goes on, the word of God is constantly spreading, constantly moving, constantly doing something. 
despite whatever happens around it. And, and what happens is the early church, because it's filled with the Holy Spirit, will always align itself to the Word of God. Therefore, it always is growing. And in this, and in this passage, we see how the power of the Word of God overcomes a few things. It overcomes problems. It overcomes physical needs. And it overcomes persecution. Let's talk about problems first. How the power of God's word overcomes problems. Point number one. Now, the, the question in this passage first is, are the apostles going to stop preaching? Because a problem has arisen in the church. Up until this point, it's been awesome. But now, there's a complaint in verse 2, in verse 1. The Hellenistic Jews are complaining against the Hebraic Jews. So what's the problem? There's two cultures. Hellenistic essentially means Greek. And there's, there's the Greek Jews and there's the Hebraic Jews. And they have a complaint. There's tension among these cultures. And what's the tension? The Hellenistic Jews, their widows aren't getting the food. And so they're not complaining to the apostles. They're complaining to the other group. Saying, hey, your widows are getting food. Our widows are not getting food. Now, the reason why this is such a tension is the Hellenistic Jews, the Greek Jews, they were, they were dispersed out of Israel after the exile. And so they, they grow up in a foreign land, learning foreign customs, foreign language. But they're still Jews, okay? And Hebraic Jews never left. They still speak the language. They still follow the same customs. And now, after Pentecost, all these Jews come back and some convert to Christianity. And now you so you've got these guys who have been foreigners for a long time and have these cultures and traditions that are foreign, but are still Christian. And you've got people that have never left and still speak the tongue and are still Christian. And so I know for Megan, she, she was born in the U.S. and then she went to Australia for a good majority of her life. And then she comes back to the U.S. And so she comes back to the U.S. She says, my name is Megan. And they're saying, what? We don't say Megan here. We say Megan. But I'm from the U.S., but I sound Australian. They don't, it's, it's complicated, right? And, and that's what's going on here. Well, it's not complicated, but, you know. But, but what's going on is this, this, this group has left and now they're back. And now they're saying, look, this... This group over here, their needs are getting met. And our group over here, the needs aren't being met. This is a problem. And there's this complaining that's going on. Plus, because as, as Jews got older, they would, they would travel back to Jerusalem to, to kind of settle there. So often as they age, some of the husbands pass, and now there's a lot of widows left. So this is, this is the context of what's happening in the early church. There's, there's a big need, and as the churches grow... An unintended consequence is this group over here gets overlooked in, in the daily distribution of the food. And so you can, you can imagine this becomes a problem, but Luke records how this problem gets sorted out. The apostles come together, they say, this is a big deal, okay? This is a big deal, and to fill this role, we need spiritual qualified men to take care of this role. And so they, they, you can see that this is a big deal to the apostles. They feel like, okay, don't just hand anybody this assignment. Get some spiritual, wise people to handle this. And as a result, after he says that God sorted out, the summary of this in verse 7 is, So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests become obedient to the faith. So there's this problem. There's cultural tension. But the word of God still spreads. It's still moving. It's still doing stuff. It doesn't get stuck when it comes to a problem. 
It sorts it out and it keeps going. What's that like? That's exactly like Jesus said the word of God would be. In Mark chapter 4, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts, though he does not know how. The early church has a problem. They come together. They figure it out. They don't really know how, but the word of God in verse 7 keeps spreading. People still are becoming Christians. Now, this is a big deal because it could have brought the early church to a screeching halt. Oh, there's a problem. We, we, you know, the first five, first five chapters or the first three chapters are like awesome. And now there could have been, oh, see, this isn't all it's cracked up to be. There's a problem. I'm out of here. But instead, they figure it out, and the Word of God keeps going. I think there's a, there's a tendency, whether it's personal or in a group or in a larger group setting, when a problem occurs, everything comes to a screeching halt, and we all look and zoom in on the problem until we get it figured out, and we completely forget about everything else. And that's not what's meant to happen, because the reality is, your life, my life, our lives will always consist of problems. And when they happen, and, and the church itself will have its share of problems. We need a new venue. I don't know if you know it or not, but when we're preaching or we're talking, you can hear the kids over there. That's going to be a problem at some point, but that's a good problem, okay? That's a good problem. Just like this is a good problem. The church is growing so much that somebody accidentally got missed out. And, but the, and your life will always have problems, but... The point is never to let God's word prevent the problem from being overcome. Because if you can align yourself with the scriptures, align yourself with the word of God, there will be constant growth. Because we need, we need to be flexible as well. If a problem happens, it doesn't mean we say, okay, there, there's no solution for it. They were willing to renegotiate their church structure. In some sense, like, okay, well, we need to find another group that can meet that need. And so we have to be flexible as well. And we can't gloss over problems. It's not like the apostles said, hey, that's not a big deal. We need to preach the word and just keep moving forward. They said, this is a big deal. So we can't gloss over. We can't minimize. But we can never allow the problem to be the end of the story. The word of God is more powerful than that. And it overcomes problems. Secondly, it overcomes physical needs. God's power has the, over, has the power to overcome these physical needs. The question also in this passage is, now that a need has arisen, will the apostles be distracted by this need? Or will they continue to do what Jesus has told them to do? I don't know if you remember, but in chapter 4, verse 33 and 34, the Bible says this, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully worked at, at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. All right? That's a big statement. There's thousands of people in this church. And so now, every, everybody's not, there is somebody that's needy. And, and, and so in, in, in some case, it, it's the apostles who are to figure it out. Because the end of chapter 4, verse 34 says that people brought money to the apostles. And they're the ones that distributed it to those who had need. So in some sense, it's, it's, it's a slight criticism toward the leadership to say, hey, we're being overlooked. Well, who's in charge? Uh, the apostles. 
Right? And, and so, oh man, but, but, but our logo was that there's no needy persons among them. And now there's needy people. What are we going to do? And so, but, but they also, so they have this responsibility. We have to take care of this group. At the same time, Jesus has given us a responsibility to keep preaching the word. And, and both are important, so we got to figure this out. So there is a physical need, so the answer is uh, we'll select a spiritual group to oversee that. And it's interesting that these people that are named are all Greek names. Philip, Stephen, Nicodor, Timon, Parnamis, Nicholas from Antioch, convert to Judaism. Those are all likely Greek names, which is important because who's being overlooked? The Greek widows. Who knows better how to figure all that out than those guys? So in order to meet these physical needs, we'll pick this group. And what happens in verse 7? The word of God spread. And the number of disciples increased rapidly. So the question was, there's a physical need. Will we stop and let it become a distraction? Or will the word of God continue to spread? Well, the word of God continues to spread. Just like the parable. Whether we do it or we don't, whether we have anything to do with it or not, the, the Word of God is still performing its desired function. Now, I think the tendency can, can be to focus on one or other of these needs. Let's spread the gospel or let's help the needy. But in this passage, both are happening simultaneously. And different groups are organized to sort out different needs to, to meet those needs. But the idea, though, is you meet the need as you spread the gospel. That's what's going on. And it's interesting how Luke records the result of Stephen's ministry. Now remember in verse 5, Stephen is the first guy chosen to do what? To meet the needs. He's the one that's supposed to take the needs to the, to the widows and supposed to give them the daily distribution. And what happens is... He's the one recorded in chapter 8, in, in, in verse 8 through 15, of his ministry. So you would think, like, okay, the, here's a group that's designed to meet the needs. Let's record how they met the needs. But instead, it's talking about what he does in his ministry. And so you see the idea that you, 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 you meet the need as you still preach the gospel. And, and we concentrate on the gospel and meeting the needs at the same time. But the word of God never stops even when needs arise. Thirdly, the word of God has the power over persecution. Because another question will be in this passage, will they stop talking now because they're getting more persecution? And the answer is no. In verse 9, opposition arises from the synagogue of freedmen. And so the, these, are, these are men also that associate with Stephen. Both Stephen and these guys that are being talked about are Greek. And so they've come back to, they've come back to Jerusalem. And now here's one of their own boys. Who's standing up and essentially saying, we have to kind of abandon the temple system because someone greater than the temple is here, and that's Jesus. And they're all saying, no, no, we got to be loyal to the temple. And, and, and that's what Stephen is being accused of. Some of it's false, but some of it is a kernel of truth. That, that he's saying, no, we, we got to abandon, we got to abandon all the old stuff because a new temple is here, and it's Jesus. And even his own people, his own culture, his own friends are saying, nope, nope, we need to persecute you. And, 
as part of their accusation in verse 11, they say this. They say, we've heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. In verse 14, we heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. It also says that they produce false witnesses. So these were, accusations weren't entirely true. But what's interesting is verse 14 is the exact same thing they said about Jesus. He said he was going to tear down this temple and in three days build a new one. Now, we all know he's not talking about the temple. He's talking about his body. But, and, and so some way they had, you know, warped Stephen's preaching and said, see, this guy's saying the same thing Jesus said. He's going to tear down the temple. He's going to tear down what we're loyal to. And he gets persecuted as a result. And, and so he's, he's beginning to distance himself from his culture, from his community, and they're persecuting him. Now, what's also interesting is that Luke mentions in verse 7, a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Why is that important? Well, the priests are part of the Sadducees. And who are the Sadducees? Well, chapter 4, verse 1, they bring in the apostles and they tell them to stop preaching. That's the very same group. Also in, in, chapter, in verse 6 of chapter 4. In chapter 5, verse 17, they're doing the same thing. They're, they're flogging the apostles. They're telling them to stop preaching. So some of those guys that were persecuting the early church now become disciples. Similar to what a mind was sharing in the communion. The word of God spoke to somebody's life. It changed. It goes to the family. It goes into the community. That's what's happening here. The word of God isn't stopping because there's problems. The word of God isn't stopping because there's physical needs. The word of God isn't stopping because there's persecution. And the word keeps spreading and people keep becoming Christians. And, and as a result of all this, in verse 15, this is, this is before, chapter 6, verse 15, this is before Stephen gives his speech. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. I mean, this is crazy. These are guys that are angry and agitated because you're supposed to be like us. And they look at him, and he's angelic. And even this, this persecution isn't going to stop Stephen. It's not going to stop the early church. It's not going to stop the church in general of continuing to preach the gospel. It's the exact same thing that Jesus said in the parable in Mark chapter 4. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Are problems going to stop the early church? No. The word of God is going to continue to spread and people are going to still become Christians. Are physical needs going to stop the early church? No. The word of God is still going to spread and people are still going to become Christians. Is persecution going to stop the early church? No. The answer is always no because the word of God is always doing something whether we're awake or whether we are asleep. And that's what's happening in the early church. And this is a big deal. I think that we all, we all kind of, it's a simple point, but it's a profound one. Because we all think the Bible changes me. The Bible changes us. The Bible changes people. <laughs> changes people. But there's an interesting thing that about a month ago, I put out a challenge to the church and said, hey, here's, here's what I want you to do. Read a passage. Memorize a passage. Memorize a verse. Memorize a chapter. I did that on May 15th. Today's what? June 24th. So I said, once you read it, once you memorize it, come before the church and say it in front of the church so we can all be encouraged by your devotion to the Bible. And you'll be surprised to know that there's been 
Zero responses. That's a challenge. I mean, this, this is the very thing that changes who you are. This is the very thing that changes the fabric of community. And it's a very simple challenge to say, if, if you put this in your head and your heart, something's going to happen. Because the word of God is not hindered by problems, by needs, or by persecution. If you examine the life and ministry of Jesus, he embodies this very same concept. He's walking around and he encounters a problem. There's a storm. He doesn't stop his ministry. He doesn't focus entirely on the storm. He doesn't put everything on hold. He doesn't say, oh God, why have you put me here now I'm in the middle of the storm? He tells the storm to be quiet. His disciples are amazed and he keeps moving forward. That's what Jesus does in his life and his ministry. When the physical needs arise, and there's thousands of them, because there's passages that say he heals thousands of people. When the physical needs arise, he doesn't say, it's too overwhelming. I need to stop and focus only on these. He takes care of the needs. He heals everybody, but he continues his mission. He is an embodiment of that parable. Wherever he goes, when a problem arises, he sorts it out and he keeps going. When a physical need arises, he sorts it out and he keeps growing. And when persecution arises, because Jesus will be persecuted and ultimately crucified, it doesn't stop the word of God. Three days later, he rises from the grave. It's still growing. He's still giving it to his apostles, who are 12. Then the early church gets to 120 in chapter 1 of Acts. Then it goes to 3,000 in Acts chapter 2. Then it goes to 5,000 in Acts chapter 4 and 5. And then it keeps going. Problems, needs, and persecution didn't stop the ministry of Jesus. And he is the embodiment of the word of God. Luke will make this a theme. In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, Acts chapter 13, verse 24, and Acts chapter 19, the word of God spread. And what happens as a result, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The question for us is, are we going to align ourselves and allow ourselves to let God's word change us? It's very simple. On an ongoing basis. And if we do, and I believe you and me and I, and all of us really want to, if we allow, if we allow ourselves to be molded by the word of God, it will continue to spread. And the number of disciples will increase in your group, in our church, and in all of New Zealand. Let's let the word of God continue to powerfully work in our lives. Amen. Amen.